You are Locked On Cavaliers, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Cavaliers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Cavaliers podcast. As always, I'm Chris Manning, your host from FearTheSword.com and of the Step Back. Joining me today is Eric Jackman, a.k.a. New York Rick. You probably know him from the MMA Hour with Ariel Hawani, or you might have heard him and I both on the Limited Upside pod with Mike Prada and Ben Epstein about a week or two ago now. Eric, what's going on, man? What's up, Chris? Um, interesting time in Cavs land, so I'm happy to be on. Yeah, there's a lot going on. We're finally here for the regular season. There was a move over the weekend, which we'll open up and talk about that first. One of the things that surprised me about this, Eric, was just that I think it's crazy the, the, the difference in how people kind of reacted to Kyrie leaving versus RJ leaving. So we'll get into the basketball side of this in a minute. But what was just your reaction when you see Richard Jefferson and Kay Felder, poor one out for, for young Kay Felder, traded to the Atlanta Hawks. And now the Cavs have a basically pick Calderon and Wade, too, over, over Jefferson. Um, my reaction was, I think, the reaction that a lot of people will share was what happens to the road trip and podcast. Um, because at this point, you know, surprisingly, Richard Jefferson's actually been a super capable player for the Cavaliers. I didn't expect that um, just based on, you know, where he is in his career and and, um, the fact that he relied so much on his athleticism throughout his career. Um, He still seemed to have that in burst. Um, But let's be real, like, you know, he wasn't a guy who was cracking the top 10, 11 in the rotation. He was coming in 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 spot instances um, and had become a fan favorite. Um, So I was just really uh, a little bit, um, surprised that he was the type of guy that would be sent out because I feel like he was a big culture um, guy. I feel like he, he created an environment along with Channing, um, especially through the podcast that kept the guys uh, together. Kay Felder I was a little surprised about just because um, he's such a recent draft pick, um, whereas a guy like Jose Calderon just got signed to the team um, and is making the veterans minimum. He seems like a much more expendable piece, especially um, when you're, you're uh, employing Derrick Rose and potentially Isaiah when they come back. Um, but I'm, I'm going on too long. The, the number one instant reaction was, oh, my God, what's going to happen to road tripping? That's the first immediate reaction. Yeah, I I had the same thing. I was actually I didn't go to their the recording they did. They did one at Homage, uh, which is this clothing, a really awesome clothing company uh, based in Ohio. They're from Columbus, but they have a store in Westlake, um, which is close to where a lot of the play, a lot of players on the Cavs live. They don't a lot of them don't live in the city proper. They live in in some of the nicer suburbs. Uh, so they had a recording there, and it was Isaiah, it was Jay Crowder, um, and Ali and and RJ and Channing, obviously. And I, I, I talked to the guy, one of the guys at the store, and he was just saying how crazy it was, you know, there, and just how nuts it was. It was almost like, like tween. It was, it might, like seeing the pictures of it too, it made me just think of like tweens being outside for Bieber or something, <laughs> just, just like how excited people were. And it seems like road trip and will continue. I mean, it, um, you know, you had the, you had Ali and it said on the show. Which at least is on. I don't know if they've released that episode yet. I haven't listened to it at least yet. Um, I haven't seen it pop up yet. Yeah, Ben Axrod from WKYC in Cleveland uh, was tweeting. He went. He got to. He was in there and he crammed in the store. Which it's not a big store. It's it almost is like like a city shop size. Like it's not big, and I I can't imagine how many people were there. But um, they they said it's going to continue at least with Ali and Channing. Um, which is which is good. I mean, it's good for fans of the pod. It it sucks that they're breaking it up, um, you know, because we didn't get like a Wade episode, you know. Like I think that would have been really interesting. It'll probably, and I'm assuming that like RJ will be back on at some point. They can always have him, you know, call in some way. Um, it might be trickier because they're on different schedules now, and it seems like he might go to the Bucks, which is the one team we've seen him directly linked to so far. But it it is a bummer, and and it's you know like I I think I think what the Cavs are saying here. Is one, you know, they pick Calderon. They picked up Calderon on the first day of free agency, which I think will go down as a. It's not going to matter that much. Like I'm not. I don't think RJ makes your team significantly better by any means, right? But I think when you look 
at like just a vac in a vacuum of what could give you ten useful minutes in the finals in a finals game, I would pick RJ over Calderon every time. And I almost and you just look at how they've handled their roster the last couple of years. They didn't sign the full fifteen guys in the offseason. Um, they what they decided to do is keep their roster spot open in case they wanted to add someone later on, so you're not spending extra money. Maybe the Wade stuff was unpredictable. Maybe the Rose signing they they just didn't think he was going to be there. But I just I just kind of going back to it. It's really hard for me to see why Calderon was signed on the first day of agency because if you don't sign him, some of this is just avoidable, you know. And and maybe they want that point guard depth. Maybe I can un- I can understand that because Rose doesn't have a great injury history. But I think in a vacuum, RJ is more valuable. The locker room stuff for sure I think matters. Um, you still have Channing around to do that, and I think you know we'll we'll see what this what it means. And we'll and, I, and again, RJ wasn't going to play very much anyway, but. It's t- It's just very interesting to see how, eh, that he leaves, and you see how people reacted versus how Kyrie reacted. Like I, I almost think, and it's it's so tender to what Kyrie kind of have said about the city, not being a real sports city, and all of this stuff. But I, I think when RJ come eventually comes back at, at, on another team, whether that's the Bucks, whether that's you know even the Warriors, you know, which doesn't seem Danny Larue was kind of tweeting about that's not really going to be a thing they do. They don't really need him. I think he's going to get like just a really big pop, and, and it's crazy that a guy who, I, I agree with you, I didn't think was going to do very much, has become this fan-favorite, popu- all-time popular calf. Well, I think what happens a lot with Cavaliers players um, is when it's clear that there's a guy that wants to be there because they're so used to people saying on the way out, you know, throwing jabs like Kyrie is doing, throwing barbs like, like Kyrie is doing, or um, LeBron in the most uh, vociferous way, making the decision and leaving the city, there there's a history of people wanting to get out. And when Kyrie resigned, and when uh, you hear Richard Jefferson, um, there was an expression of wanting to be there. And it felt like Richard Jefferson wanted to be there. And when you, you get that feeling, um, they become one of the guys. They become one of the guys that you ride for. And I think Jefferson really like ingratiated himself amongst the Clevelanders, the Cavs fans, um, everybody in that community. Um, and then, you know, the road trip and podcast just blew up um, based on that. I, I really think um, a lot of it stems from him giving the the vibe and give, and do, saying all the things that made people think he wanted to be in Cleveland as a Cleveland Cavalier. Exactly. I think that hits it on the head. I, I will be wearing, I have a, as, you, as listeners are listening to this, I'll be on a flight, and I'm, I have my I picked up my road trip, and I have the road trip and homage tea that I'm gonna <laughs> I'm wearing, pouring out for 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 RJ. Um, but season's finally about here. We'll have a preview show up tomorrow with Jared Weiss from Celtics Wire talking about opening night. Uh, but what Eric and I are gonna do is a version of what we did last year. We are gonna answer a bunch of questions about the Cavs. Um, we came. I didn't come up with you know one for every player like last year, but it's a it's a more condensed list. It's gonna be a longer pod. Um, I'm sure, but we're just going to get into some of these questions and kind of look into what uh, the Cavs are going to be this year. Uh, and while you're, while I get that up, I just a reminder that you should go listen to every Lockdown Pod. Go find the the feed on iTunes, wherever you get podcasts, and you can get every Lockdown Pod from us, Lockdown Celtics, Lockdown Raptors, whatever you want to listen to in one feed on iTunes. That's why I listen to the entire network, and you'll be a better NBA fan for doing that. But Eric, first question I have for you, we're gonna just go with. A big one right now. Just going to get this big one out of the way. Will LeBron James win the MVP award this year? Mm, that's an interesting one. I think it depends. Um, and I hate, you know, I, I don't like to ride the fence. But in this case, I really have no choice. It depends on, is LeBron going to take the regular season seriously and treat it as an affront that he didn't win last year um, and wasn't even really... Um, one of the top two candidates, we, you know, with all due respect to uh, Russell Westbrook and James Harden, who had incredible, like, you know, history making years. Um, I think LeBron felt a bit slighted. And if he takes that as, as an affront and, you know, goes all out for, let's say, 70-ish games, um, I believe that he would be the front runner for the MVP award. I can't imagine that Russell would get it again with, with the star power he has on his team or Harden would get it again with the star power he has uh, now in Chris Paul. Um, I think the other candidate, uh, most likely candidate is probably like a Kawhi Leonard or even a Kevin Durant. Um, But if LeBron is resting himself up for the playoffs and is not, you know, keeping his foot on the pedal, which, you know, 
I think is something that he's starting to do more and more as he gets older. We've seen it more last year and I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that we will see it more this year. So short answer is I'm thinking he will rest more and I will go with no, he does not win the MVP award. I tend to agree. I think Kawhi is my pick. If I was just going to pick, it would be Kawhi because he's the solo star. He's on this team. That's going to win a bunch of games and he's going to have just, he hasn't won it before. There's no voter fatigue. I think there is a voter fatigue with LeBron. I think you, we've seen that before. Um, I, I think there is a chance he has a very Russ-like narrative this year where he kind of gets to do everything because there are just so many moving pieces on this cast team where he's going to be doing a lot. People tend to really undervalue Kevin Love. You'll be able to say he carried this team for how many months with Isaiah out, especially if they come out of the gate blistering. I think there's a good chance he wins it. He, I think I may have already said on the show he was my pick. I'm gonna, I'm gonna backtrack already. I think it's gonna be Kawhi, <laughs> but um, I think there's a good chance LeBron wins it. I think if I was gonna say the three people that were most likely to win it, it would be Kawhi, LeBron, and Durant. I don't think Giannis is there. I don't think like a Cat's there yet or anyone like that. I think it'd be one of those three guys and. Um, you know, Harden, I think Harden and Russ probably just maybe don't get there because they have those new co-stars this year. But it'll be interesting. I think a lot, like you said, could depend on LeBron's effort level. Because if he goes all out, and let's say he puts up just good box score defensive numbers and is averaging like 26, 8, and 7 or something, that's probably going to get him in, in close in the conversation. Um, and especially if you can – there are some narrative things. And the check boxes, I think, you can, you can take off for him. Um, next question kind of leads off of this. Looking at someone who was a MVP candidate last year, uh, what are you actually expecting out of Isaiah Thomas? Ooh, this um, is I'm, we're just going to get these big ones like out of the way right away. Like yeah, we're just going to we're going to just get the, the ones that make you just like sweat a little bit right out of the gate. Yeah, um, I I honestly and and this is crazy to say about somebody who was an MVP candidate and had one of the most incredible offensive years ever last year. Um, but I think of Isaiah Thomas as house money. Um, I truly have enough faith in LeBron that he will keep the Cavs where they need to be um, without Isaiah Thomas until Isaiah Thomas is ready. And then when he is ready, um, you're essentially adding um, what is an all-star level point guard immediately into the fold. Um, but I but I think of that trade very much so as Kyrie Irving for uh, the Brooklyn pick and whatever we can get out of Isaiah is gravy, which... I wouldn't have anticipated um, saying about any trade that, you know, Kyrie Irving is on, on the outbound side of. Um, so my expectations are super, super low, not because I don't think Isaiah is still an incredible player, but just because I'm kind of not ready to, to make that call until I see it. Um, but when he comes back, I'm expecting him to be damn good. It, it, the, the, the story on him um, and, and, you know, how he's been doubted throughout his career is truly something that we'll look back on and, and talk about as, as one of a kind, um, at every step of the way, the teams that he was on pretty much tossed him away or disrespected him all the way up to now where he meant so much to Boston and they threw him into a trade, uh, one year after he was in MVP contention, um, which is not something you typically see. So, um, I'm expecting that same kind of tenacity when he does come back and, and expecting him to be a great basketball player. But I truly am not counting on that. I think that the Cavs can be pretty close to as good without him, which is crazy to say. I agree with you. I have a very hard time projecting what he's going to be because he fits he, just in terms of a pure basketball fit. He's so different than Rose that I, I have a hard time just seeing how, like how that transition is going to go because I think you've already saw in the one preseason game LeBron played, they had a hard time adjusting to LeBron, and they're going to have to do some of that for Isaiah when Isaiah comes back. I, I think that's just that's just kind of inevitable. I think the other end of this ends up being what like how healthy is he really? You know, he's talked about having arthritis in his hip. Um, you know, it's, 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 he said recently in that, that great SI profile from Lee Jenkins that he should have played in the playoffs last year. Um, and there's just kind of a lot of doubt on, on how serious this really hip is. And I think we need to see him for two months before we can really get an idea of what we can project of him. I will say, though, if you're if you're trying to get excited about Isaiah, he talks a really good game about this. He talks about like being back and being engaged and, and just wanting to be exactly what he was. And I think if there is someone who I, I feel is going to get himself there and work hard enough to get himself there, it's probably Isaiah. Like, I don't have any doubts about his willingness to try to get back to that point. And he has something to prove, too. This is a contract year for him. 
uh, you know, in, in his, maybe his, is his future tied to LeBron wanting him around? What, does he have to play good enough that if LeBron does leave, that he the Cavs want to resign him to some kind of big money deal to pair him with Kevin Love for a year or two? Like I, these are a lot of there's a lot of scenarios out there for him. And it all depends on him playing well this year, not just to make the, the team better, but to do right by himself and to make him and to make, like find himself at least a, a a home in some capacity and prove the people that last year wasn't a fluke. So I think that's um, that's a really big question for the, for him. And I, I think he he's just that story that we're going to we're going to spend no time talking about because we're not going to get any information from now until whenever he comes back. But when he comes back, whether that's before the Warriors Christmas game, whether that's after He'll be the biggest story on the team for about a month, I think. And I think I think he'll be something we're just analyzing every little thing at a granular, maybe over-detailed level as he's getting himself back. And I think it'll be one of those things where we definitely overreact to things that are good and definitely overreact to things that are bad because because that's what that's that's what we do. I mean, that's just what sports people do, whether you're a fan or an analyst. Like you overreact to things a lot of the time. You made a great point, and and something I for completely forgot about is that it's a contract year. I hope that doesn't hurt him in the sense that he tries to rush himself back to prove it um, and get that contract that he thinks he he deserves um, and he does deserve. You know, let me not uh, cut his legs out, but um, I hope that doesn't play into the equation where he rushes himself back. I'm hoping that the Cavaliers will be good enough without him that um, he rests himself up properly and then comes back when it's time. Yeah, hundred percent. I agree on that. Uh, next question: Is Dwayne Wade best used as a starter or coming off the bench? I'll take this one first. I think he's best used coming off the bench. I think if you look at the starting lineup right now, particularly with Rose there, there's just not enough spacing for my comfort level. I think if you're looking at the the way Wade is best used on this team, he's someone that I think solves the problem that they've had when LeBron has sat the last couple of years when they've just absolutely cratered and have been unable to sustain anything when LeBron is off the floor. I think you pair him and Kevin Love anchoring bench units when LeBron sits and you and you have something that can sustain. Wade is not someone where if you if you listen to what the Cavs have said about how LeBron what what has gone through their mind when LeBron sits, they ha it's almost deflating. You know, it's like almost like they they take like this adrenaline level down when LeBron is not on the floor and then you can just see it. There's very few moments last year where they were able to keep that up, and that's on Kyrie, that's on Kevin Love, that's on every non-LeBron player. Wade is someone I can't imagine would have that same problem. So I think if you give Wade the ability to handle the ball in those situations, I think that's how you best use him, especially with Kevin Love. And it's it's kind of – I'm very curious to see how long Lou sticks with this idea that Derrick Rose is going to run second units. Because I, I just – I know why he's doing it. But I don't know if I love it, and I just don't know if that's really the best optimal use of this roster. He's certainly smarter than me, but it just doesn't seem to make sense with the with a in my mind the with the personnel you currently have in place. Yeah, and um, also you have to factor in now that we're hearing word from J.R. Smith that he's taking it personal, and it's hurt his feelings that um, Dwayne Wade is essentially getting the starting spot um, over him and. Uh, J.R. Smith is going to be the one dealing with the second units, but um, maybe this is going to be boring because we've agreed on everything so far, but I agree with you that um, I would like to see Dwayne Wade as the primary playmaker off the bench. Um, for now, I'd like to see Rose in the starting lineup with the, with LeBron and um, the rest of the starters and Wade to come in and, and essentially relieve them and keep the second unit running. Um, with Rose and Wade together, the spacing is off. They're just too redundant as... Um, elite slashers or formerly elite slashers, depending on on what you consider them at this point, um, who have no jump shot. And I'd like to see Dwayne Wade on the bench. Ultimately, I really truly believe that they will try this. They will try to have the most fire, firepower and name power um, starting in the lineup. They will see that that is failing. They will insert J.R. Smith into the starting lineup for um, his spot shooting. And Dwayne Wade will ultimately uh, run the second unit. This is also something that I think depends on how Isaiah looks when he comes back. Because you would imagine Rose goes to the bench when Isaiah comes back. At least you like would assume that, you know. We don't know we don't know that, you know, that's not something Lewis said. Um but it, it makes the most sense. Isaiah's I think definitely a better player. And I think he I think I just think Isaiah fits better with what they would need out of that. You know, like if Wade's gonna be your starting two guard when Isaiah comes back, I can understand that. I, I don't I don't know if I don't like that Jair is not the first guard off the bench, though. That's one of the other things about this that kind of frustrates me because so far they're using Shumpert in that role. And I just I, I would rather play Jr. right off the bench right away. If you're going to like take off Rose, 
at least put in, into to put in someone there and let LeBron and Wade run things. At least you put Jay in there, you're giving yourself more spacing than Shumpert's going to give you. Yeah, I mean, I I like Shump. Um, he gives effort, but his his usefulness to the team gets lower and lower in my opinion every single day. Um, he used to be the best defensive player. Now it seems like Jay Crowder um, is is taking that role. Um, I don't know. I don't know where Shump fits in. Um, if if uh, if he can't hit shots this year, um, which has kind of been a thing where one year he'll hit all his shots and the next year he'll hit none of his shots. Um, he's kind of been streaky that way. If he's not hitting, um, I'm wondering where his role is going to be. Him being the first guy off the bench is mind-boggling, mind-boggling to me. Uh, J.R. Smith is clearly that guy that needs to be in that role as the microwave offense. But hopefully J.R. can get that starting position and then maybe Shump um or in in my you know fantasy world Dwayne Wade is the first off the bench with Shump coming after that um as far as guards I don't know um but uh, I'm rooting for Shump because I like Shump and uh he gives a good effort but if he's not hitting his shots it's going to be tough for me to to see where Shump gets his minutes from yeah, Shumpert's someone that I think would be the 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 fat cut off the rotation. He's the guy that I think is more vulnerable than Corver. You know, like I, I kind of think Corver's shooting is like if you look just look at evidence from last year's finals, they prioritize Corver's ability to make open shots and hit threes, which he didn't do. But like in a vacuum, he's going to be able to do that. <laughs> that that important caveat, which he didn't do, yeah, because but, that was disappointing when he was breaking wide open jumpers all like finals. Kyle, what is this? We didn't. You're you're too good for this, but. Like, Shump, like, they value the ability to threaten the Warriors on the offensive end. Shumpert has never proven with the Cavs that he can do that. Um, and and I, I I think, like, his, we'll see what his role is like. He, he's looked good in preseason, but so is Derrick Rose. And I'm, you know, I'm not confident that Derrick Rose is going to be shooting 60% from three in a month. That's right. You know, like that's, that's just bizarre, and that's probably not going to be the case. Um, Where will the Cavs finish in the East this year? That's our next question. I am thinking that they will finish second in the East to the Boston Celtics. If I had to put a number on it, it's, you know, 51, 52 games, something like that. Not dissimilar to last year where um, they will be looking good and then do just enough at the end to to let it go um, because they're resting the starters. So ultimately, I think they'll finish second in the East behind the Boston Celtics. I have them at one, so we, we disagree here. This is good that we're getting some some arguments. <laughs> about time, right? Yeah, about damn time. Um, I think that this is a t- the Cavs team that I, I have a lot of questions about. The more and more I think about them, the more questions I have. You know, I, I don't know about the defense. I, I, I think that the, the idea that they're deeper is true, like in, in name value, but I don't know how actually much deeper they really are. Like that, I think that's a question. I just think – I think Boston overachieved their win total a little bit last year. I think – they have their own adjustments to make. You know, like their 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 makeup of that roster is a little bit different. I think the Cavs finish one. I just think like they're a team with LeBron. With if they get everything kind of clicking and going back, if Kevin Love has a really good year, I think they're going to be better. I think they they play and just in their division, they're going to play some really bad teams that they should feast on. The Celtics will too because it's the East, but the Cavs will have some of those games as well. Um, they they should be able to throttle teams like the Pacers, teams like the Pistons. I think this is a team that is poised to just be to win, even if it's two more or three more games than the Celtics. I think they'll do it. I don't, you know, like maybe I'm wrong. Maybe like it wouldn't shock me if the Cavs finished anywhere from one to three. You know, like if, if Washington and Boston were ahead of them, that wouldn't that wouldn't shock me. Um, but I think one, and I mean, I mean, also, I I was feeling I was feeling it the day I made the the prediction. But I I said in the SB Nation preview that they'd win like 58 games, and I'm like certainly walking that back, but. It wouldn't shock me if this team was like just kind of outperformed what they've done the last couple of regular seasons because I think you have a team that like the vibe around them for me this year is just a little different and you have these guys unlike in past years you have Derrick Rose who has so much to prove you have Isaiah Thomas when he comes back that has so much to prove you have Jr. that maybe something to prove now Shumpert has something to prove. LeBron has a little bit of a chip on his shoulder, I think, with this Kyrie thing. I think Kevin Love will have you know something to say about you know his place this year. I think you have a team that maybe is a little going to treat this regular season more seriously than they have, even if they still are going to slag off at points. And and if Dwayne you know if Dwayne Wade is not playing hard defense in, in March, that's fine. But I think 
you have guys on this team that will elevate them in the regular season more so than you maybe have had the last couple of years. Do you think Boston is going to struggle a little bit in terms of oh, yeah. making all those pieces mesh together? I think at least initially, and and I'm very curious to see what just because like you every team has to go through this. This isn't just be like a Kyrie thing. Um, I'm very curious to see how they handle adversity and things kind of going really bad for them because Kyrie is like being very positive about them right now and just like what happens if on opening night the Cavs shellack them or if they go through like a weird losing streak and what and how like how severe are these growing pains for Tatum and Brown going to be like Jalen Brown is going to be defending LeBron a lot this year when they play Jason Tatum oh is, I can't wait for the LeBron stopper narrative there's been a LeBron stopper in the league every year um, hopefully Jalen Brown can uh, get that label. Yeah, that if, should be fun. if your name is not Kawhi Leonard or Draymond Green, like just 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 don't try. Like PJ <laughs> Tucker, I'm sorry, you're really good. The Cavs should have like tried <laughs> yeah, to sign you, but like PJ Yo, Tucker's not stopping LeBron. Um, per- the LeBron stopper from last year, PJ Tucker. Yeah, oh. sh- yeah shouts to PJ Tucker. But great, he he wears Yeezys in games. He's he's cool by me, but. Like, like Jason Tatum also is going to have all these growing pains, and he's going to play rotation minutes, you know? And that team still can't – I don't think it's going to be a good defensive rebounding team. So I am I think they're going to go through some issues. I don't know how severe they end up being for them. I think they're still going to be good. But um, I think at least early on you're going to see them go through some, some trouble wins. And I think the Cavs are a team that, like, will have some of those too, but I just don't know if they'll be severe. And they have LeBron, and that just kind of makes me think they're going to be able to smooth some things over. The next question we have kind of goes off of this, and, and it, it leads kind of out of this. Who is the biggest threat to the Cavs in the East? Themselves, the Celtics, or somebody else? I'm going to definitely go with themselves. Um, now, I, pred- I predicted the Cavs to finish second to the Celtics in the regular season, although after hearing you lay it out, I am a little more confident in the Cavs and maybe the Celtics hit hit some roadblocks. But let's assume that, um, I stick with the Celtics being number one in the East. Come playoff time, um, I really don't think they're going to be able to put up much of a fight with the Cavs. I really don't think Washington is is going to put up much of a fight with the Cavs. I definitely don't think the Raptors um, in year three of this uh, LeBron beatdown are really going to put up uh, much of a, a fight with the Cavs. So the Cavs, I think, are their own um, are their own stopping block and, and the rest of the East teams really aren't going to matter much. And so I say the Cavs will be their own worst enemy, but I also don't think there'll be much of it. I think they'll be able to get out of their own way and just rampage through the East like they have every single uh, year that LeBron's been there. Yeah. I, I'd say new thing it is themselves because it is Derek Rose's knees, you know, that, that are part of them. It is their own effort levels. It is their own personnel. I mean, you could just, you could just look at their personnel and say like, this is not going to be a good defensive team. And is that a fatal flaw for them? Um, and, and is it a fatal flaw earlier than the finals? Is it a fatal flaw in the Eastern Conference finals? And all these things, I think they're, they're more likely to bring themselves down, you know, in the, in, in going for four straight finals. We know how hard that is, how rare that is teams bring themselves down like teams will like some team will make their name in theory on the Cavs and and if the Cavs drop off in any way but it also is something that you look at what's going on there is teams decline you know teams just happen to to go down at a certain level that's why teams break down like that's why the what the Warriors are doing is so incredible part of it is because they're going to be sustainably excellent for for a crazy amount of time and with the Cavs like you could see like them banking on Jeff Green and Derek Derek Rose and Kyle Korver and Isaiah Thomas's hip all working out and them just not being quite able to hit that same level. That's a very real possibility. Um, I I would say there's a non-zero chance in my mind that the Wizards or someone like that, and it would be the Wizards. It wouldn't be the Bucks yet, and it wouldn't be the Raptors. Could provide them some kind of push and maybe are actually a tougher matchup in some way than Boston. Because they have, they like have at least like like Otto Porter, Marcus Moore, and Marky Morris can like be thrown at LeBron and and Wall and like Wall and Beal seem like a really bad matchup for Isaiah and slash Derrick Rose and Dwayne Wade in the backcourt, um, in in a way that like Marcus Smart and Kyrie like could be but isn't quite as much. But I I do think it has to be themselves and you know some of it like what if LeBron's not a god this year? You know what if he's not Superman? What if he's just worn down and show some age. What if this ankle injury is worse than you shut your mouth, you shut your mouth and you never (laughs) talk like that again. Look, man, 
I mean, what if his well, what if his ankle injury like is kind of is kind of weird, you know? Like, I don't think it's this year, but it's it's gonna happen at some point, you know? Like, it it will happen at some point, and but until it happens, I'm not ready to accept that possibility until the East doesn't go through LeBron or until LeBron shows that he can be hurt, which he's still yet to show, ex- uh, you know, aside from a few uh, nicks and dings and cuts and scrapes. Um, he's never ser- uh, suffered a serious injury until he's shown that he's actually human. And until he's shown that the East no longer uh, goes through whatever team he's on, I don't believe it. I will never believe it. hundred percent agree with that too. And I think that's also part of the reason why, that's part of the reason why, in my mind, the East, like, it will be the Cavs themselves as their biggest threat. Just because it is all, like, it is about LeBron. Like, this is about LeBron, and if he does show more some sort of issue. Um, yeah, that's definitely, like, something that, like, would cause them to drop off in a way that nothing else other could. Um, true or false off of that? Well, are the Cavs better this year than last with this, with this retooled roster, with all the moves they made? Is this team on paper better than they were last year? And what is your definition? What would like your definition of better be considering they made the finals? Yeah, that's kind of where my mind went immediately. It was like, do I think they're better on paper? I mean, you, you lose a uh, Kyrie Irving and you have to think that they're not better, but every single time LeBron went to the bench, it was an absolute disaster, including the times that Kyrie Irving was running the team. To be frank, um, it was an absolute disaster. And I don't believe that will be as much of the case this year. I have faith in guys like Dwayne Wade and Derek Rose and, um, you know, assuming once Isaiah Thomas uh, assumes the starting job, I have faith in guys like Derek Rose and um, Dwayne Wade. And to, you know, to throw a complete curveball out there, Jeff Green has looked like a capable basketball player, which I did not expect. Um, So I think that the second unit uh, with Tristan and, Jeff Green and Dwayne Wade and Derrick Rose will be able to at least keep a lead from completely slipping away the way it did when LeBron went out of the games last year. Um, they won't, you know, light the world on fire, and that's going to be a tough team um, in terms of shooting. But I do believe that their second unit will make up for the deficiencies um, of last year in a way that the loss of Kyrie Irving will kind of be minimized. Um, so I'm going to say they're better from top to bottom from one to, to 15 than they were last year. I think I agree. I think I, th- I need to see it. Like, I, I don't, well, let's get in the, let's just get in the rows here. Cause he, we don't have a question directly about him, but I feel like he's so essential to this question. Um, mm-hmm. like, I just don't know like if what they have. It's I th- again, I think it's like the names are better. You know, I think, um, mm-hmm. You know, I think like the organization in some ways is like in a in, in a better spot because, like, you have like, if LeBron, let's I know you, we ent- I don't want we're not going to talk about this because I just don't want there's no point in it. But like, if LeBron leaves, like they actually can like reboot. You know, like they have the Nets pick, they have Chetty or Jetty Jetty Osman. I think is like the correct pronunciation. I'm swear I'm going to get that. You have Ante Zizic, <laughs> my hero. Like yeah. you have things that you didn't three months ago. You had like you had Kyrie then for sure, but and you had so and you but you have like a stuff now. It's like more stuff. If they're gonna maximize this year and be better this year and may and do what they're gonna do this in this kind of crazy year, I think Derrick Rose like has to be like eighty seventy percent of what he was with the Bulls. Maybe you know, like I don't know how to exactly quantify that, but I think he has to just carry them and do like just do enough of what he still can do to be competent. Like he has to attack. Are you break. talking like, are you talking like MVP Derrick Rose? Not, like he has to be eighty percent of I that. I think like just not like completely shell like broken down Derrick Rose. Yeah, like I don't think you're ever well, getting like in the realm close to how good he was when he was MVP. Like defensively, he'll well, never be that good, close to being that good again. No, no, defensively definitely not. But I live in New York. I watch when I'm not watching Cavs games, which I try to catch um, every single one, and I've been successful the last couple of years. Um, when I'm not watching those games, I'm watching the Knicks home games on MSG. And Derrick Rose was not terrible last year. Now, granted, the situation is completely different. He he was on a team that was essentially nothing um, and is now coming into a, a high-pressure environment in, in Cleveland. But Derrick Rose was a 
a pretty capable basketball player. You know, every time he made a drive to the hoop, you were wincing and hoping that he wouldn't get hurt. But if he can replicate what he was in New York, he will be good. He will be um, a really, really decent second uh, guard for for the Cavs. Um, So I'm hopeful about that. Um, As I said, the preseason let me know that Jeff Green still has a pulse and is actually um, a basketball player. Uh, Some of the alley-oops he was throwing down were things that I wasn't hoping or expecting from Jeff Green. He's kind of filling that Richard Jefferson, I didn't know this guy still had anything um, role. And um, I'm I'm happy about that. But the the problem with LeBron teams, and this is always going to be the problem with LeBron teams, is he likes his guys. And he likes his guys to get paid and come to the Cavaliers or to the Heat or whatever team he's on. And they're typically older guys. And so you don't know what you're you know, getting when you're, when you're paying for older guys as they're continuing to decline. They're not on, you know, even, uh, you know, um, the, they're not even on a baseline level. They are on the decline because of their age. And so I'm, I'm hopeful, but they're, they, all these guys could fall off a cliff tomorrow and it would be a disaster. Exactly. Rose could tear his meniscus anytime. Uh, like he could he could drive uh, to the yeah, basket. Yeah. And like I wrote I, I wrote about I wrote about him like being really good on the break in, in uh the other day and he had this play where he drove and he like just zipped from half court and just read a pick correctly, um and all this stuff and just like got to the rim and scored and it was really, really nice. And I'm like, he could literally hurt himself on that exact same play in a week, and I wouldn't be surprised. You're killing me. The thought of that is is no, but it's me. it's like, it's it has to like he's never played like a full season really, you know, like people are like all excited and like I had people in the fearless sword mention in the fearless sword comments talking about this like that he, like why are people not excited about Derrick Rose and like optimistic about him in the way we are Osman or some of these other guys right. And I'm just like, because I feel like he's just going to break down at some point. Well, if, you, if you've watched Derrick Rose over the last couple of years, it's always the same. He looks explosive. He looks good in the start of the season. And then all of a sudden it starts to wind, you know, it starts to wear down. Last year being the exception, he seemed to be pretty um, reliable from start to finish, which um, I was happy to see uh, now well, that we tore, have a meniscus tear. Like he had surgery. Yes, but like, but he was yes <laughs> yes, but in, until that point, until that point, he he didn't have the same um, signs of like slowdown and aging that yeah. he had had. But then inevitably, the Derrick Rose end of season or mid season injury came, and um, there it was. So uh, hopefully, we can at least get that number of games out of him. Um, I uh, I'm hopeful. I'm, I'm very he, hopeful. Uh, he he the way he talks about himself is that he's like still an MVP, and it's crazy. It is crazy to like kind of hear that in person after reading it, and you like at media day, and I'm just like, oh my god, like this guy thinks he's like he's like, which you kind of have to give him like reason to feel opt- like you have to give him credit for that because he is someone who like he does like have this like belief that he can overcome everything. Well, his his game is predicated around I am faster yeah. than you. I can cut harder than you and I can get to the rim with reckless abandon. And if he was a guy who said, Oh man, I don't know if I could do those things anymore. He would be useless. He'd be actually like a useless basketball player. Cause he can't do anything outside of that. He cannot shoot the basketball. It's, it's, you know, he, he is completely, um, completely useless when it comes to that facet of the game. You can, you can stay three feet off him and he's not going to do anything. Um, so if he lost that kind of edge just because of the way his game is so physical and that mental belief that he was still that same guy, I think he'd just wash out and be out of the league. That edge, I think, is what keeps him as a basketball player and keeps him in this yeah, game. Yeah, and I, and I think the name helps a little bit too. I think the way the Cavs are talking about him is they're going to give him a very simple role, but it kind of goes back to what you're talking about with spacing. It's that – they don't have like starting lineups that are full of spacing. You know, and like, is he going to play with Corver and Jr. on the bench? Like, that's that certainly gives you spacing. Um, doesn't look like Channing's going to play, so like, you know, have like at least a pick and roll. Um, you have like a good pick and roll partner with him and Thompson. Like, I think there are ways he can be successful, but we'll see t- to what degree. Um, 
Derek Rose. What a what a crazy thing that he's on the cast. Like this team, like the guys that they have, it's kind of crazy. It's it's truly crazy to me just the the amount of like name guys to to the degree that you have. Like maybe they're not super shiny anymore. Maybe they're not like everywhere shiny is like they as they you know like they, they may never have actually been all that great or something. But like just look at like the starting lineup has LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Der- and Derek Rose in it. Yeah, in 2010, this lineup would have fucked other lineups up, like hard. Like just, <laughs> like it could have been a Chicago Bulls, you know. <laughs> and like, think about like 2011 Kevin Love, which I'm pretty sure he still would have been like bigger at the, like he still was probably a bigger guy at that point. Um, had the contract year that year. Yeah, I mean, just th- like it's crazy that they're teaming up with like Isaiah Thomas like on this team and. Um, Jeff Green was like part of that those OKC teams. Like he was you know, early on those OKC teams, and Corver was on those Hawks teams. And you have like J.R. Smith, who's just this ultimate character, and coached by the guy who got stepped over by Iverson. You know, <laughs> never and, like Kendrick, that one. and like Kendrick never Perkins might be an assistant coach on this team. And like right, uh, Kendrick in the yeah, and, and like Damon Jones over. is there. Like this is it's crazy. It's it's so it's so bizarre. It's like. Just the, the amount of, like, just kind of name. Like, you can look at NBA teams and just look at rosters and be like, I don't really know who that is. I do that all the time right now because I just, like, I just somehow, like, lost track of, like, the 15th guy in the Kings or something. And I look at the Cavs and I'm just like, oh, right. Like, this is this is bizarre. It's, like, just super bizarre. I'm like, I haven't been to a – got to cover a game yet just because of stuff. But um, the first time I go into the locker room this year, I'm just going to do, like, a big scan and be like, oh, right, this is this is happened. This is weird. And this is this – is, Right, the Cavs have the Cavs have either cut or traded away everybody who was like not name value. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, and like Ozman and Zizic, and I guess that's like Calderon has like a, a veteran. That's name. it. You know, right? Calderon has like this yeah. veteran name, and um, Tavares isn't around. Felder's not around. Yeah, wild, wild. Um, Wrap it up on this question because we've gone kind of long here. It's 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 a close finals game in the or Eastern Conference Finals game, whatever it is. It's the fourth quarter. There's under two minutes to go. Who should the Cavs' closing on it be, assuming everybody is healthy? Like so, Isaiah is on the table for this question. Okay, then I've got Isaiah. I've got Jr. I've got. LeBron, I've got Kevin Love, and then do I have, oh, this one's tough, because I'm thinking I want to go with Corver potentially, um, to space that floor and give LeBron room to operate, and Isaiah if he's got the ball, or do you go with Dwayne Wade so that if the play breaks down, you could get it to him, and he could make something happen? Um... Let's go with if Corver is the Corver that he was throughout the regular season and the one that they traded for and not the one who was atrocious in the NBA finals, um, I think he's on the floor. So I think I would go Isaiah, JR, Corver, LeBron, and Kevin Love. Um, but if it's not, if Corver's like a really if Corver has hit that wall and is is now on the steep decline. Um, I throw Wade in there and, you know, let, let him operate. Um, but he'd be so useless on the floor with Isaiah and LeBron in the, in the final two minutes. So, I don't think you're uh, getting, Corbin I just, I'm going to say, I don't think you're getting any version of this lineup where Wade's not on it. I know I, 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 I accept that reality, but I wish the truth was that he was not on the floor. Yeah. I don't disagree with that. What is your lineup? Give me, give me the okay. five. So I'm going to. I'm going to go – I think the the one I think makes the most sense uh, on offense is 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 this. I think it's Wade. I think it's Isaiah. I think it's JR. I think it's – I think um, – like I'm already lo- – okay. So I think LeBron and Love are must for me. LeBron and – okay. I'm yeah, LeBron sure. and Love like sure. are on the floor. Yeah. I think depending on who you're playing, I think Tristan should be on the floor because of how good he is offensive rebounding. I think you like. I think depending on like who you're playing, you might have to risk it. Like I, I really think you might have to think about it. I'm gonna remove him from mine though. I think you're going Wade because I think you you value his attacking ability. I think you're going Jr. and Isaiah. 
that is a very small lineup. So, if I have, got, I have, ri- there's, a, I have, I have problems with it. Like, yeah. there's no doubt I have problems with what's going on there, um, because I think you're at, you have some severe defensive issues. You can, no, you cannot play LeBron James at free safety in doing that. So what I think you would, I think what you would get is probably, I think what you would ultimately end up getting is Isaiah, Dwayne Wade. LeBron, Crowder, Love, the starters you will get from whenever Isaiah is back and on. I think that is what you get, and I think, yeah. I think, now, I think that blends if, everything if you it's want. Not, yeah, if it's not, if it's two minutes and it's not offense, defensive uh, substitutions at timeouts, Crowder gets my spot over Corver because the shooting will be the shooting drop off will be not as big as the defensive drop off. Um, so, ye, like if if um, if you're not getting time to do offensive defensive substitutions, mine would be Isaiah uh, Crowder, LeBron, Jr. and Love. Um, but if you're able to do that, I'd swap in Corver and then bring in Crowder for defense and maybe Tristan for defensive possessions yeah, too, I- um, instead of Love. But uh, I'm I'm oh, man, I I really do not want to see Dwayne Wade on the floor with LeBron and Isaiah. That like almost that's going to be a really tricky fit. Um- you know, like the the thing that I th- that it makes me optimistic about those three as a as a trio is that Isaiah and Wade are good cutters, and LeBron is the best passer ever. Like that that in itself like gives me some opt- optimistic that like really like could be um, something that it makes it worthwhile. And I think Crowder is going to be essential to those. And I agree with you about the defensive switching. I think as much as the Cavs can. You will see Thompson come in for Love for defensive purposes, or like in certain lineups, like maybe like Love just has to be off the floor. Like maybe like that's what Lou does. We've seen that before. You know, we we've seen that a couple times the last couple of years. Um, and I think like I think when you look at Crowder, like I think his defense is just kind of essential to everything the Cavs are planning. Like I think he's going to play such a big role in this team in a way that probably goes unnoticed. It's it's telling. See, like we know we haven't talked much about him at all up until this point in the show and i think he's someone that is going to be essential to everything that the Cavs want to do i i really think that he's just going to allow them to to play the type of defense that was at least better when lebron was playing free safety and i think that's the best way to use lebron right now is to have crowder go after the team's opposing best wing and with lebron roaming off somebody else it's what they want to do against golden state they want crowder on on durant so LeBron can guard Draymond or somebody else in Rome and, and try to and try to nab passes in the middle of the floor. Yeah, I think Crowder will be probably like the most important Cavalier outside of LeBron. Uh, maybe like J.R. Smith and engage J.R. Smith um, to keep his head in the game. But yeah, Crowder is going to be essential. And we talked about him for about thirty seconds. Um, that's kind of how his career has gone. Like he's, I guess. He, he, and he's Making, good. Like he's a good you know, player. A, a contract that. He's a great player who's making a contract that he should really be getting paid like double that compared to other people in that same position. Um, and uh, he's just chugging along, hustling hard. Like, I'm going to look up Kent Bazemore's salary right now because, like, because, oh, like, Jake man. Crowder is making like, got $7 million or whatever. And Jake and Kent Bazemore is making, <laughs> made 15.7 million last year. Maybe like 15.7 last year. Like yeah. 16.9, 16.9, about 17, like you said this year. And, and yeah, yeah, yeah. just because of when he's a free agent. Baysmore, Baysmore is good. Let me not shit completely all over Baysmore. He's a good player, but I mean the fact that Crowder is making what he's making is is absurd. But I cannot complain as a fan of of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Exactly. Uh, we'll wrap it up on this last bit here. How do you feel about Tuesday? What are you looking forward to seeing on Tuesday night? I think it depends on who's out there. Um, I, I do think that the opening game has a lot of kind of ceremony and, you know, kind of uh, hype around it, but it's ultimately meaningless. Like this first game will be 10% of what the team looks like or what the momentum of the team is like come end of season. I really, I used to get up for, for opening day a lot. And now I almost treat it as like preseason extended. Um, It'll be great to have basketball that actually counts for something. But with the Cavaliers, the regular season almost doesn't count for anything anymore. So um, not to be that like wet blanket kind of guy, but I really don't give much of a crap about about the first game of the, of the season. Um, 
because it's it, it means yeah. so little. Like without Isaiah there, this team is not what this team is going to be. And they'll still be figuring things out. Um, I will be interested to see if the first time they put LeBron um, in a 3-1 pick and roll with Kyrie Irving, if LeBron is on the floor, if they put uh, LeBron in a 3-1 pick and roll with Kyrie Irving, if he doesn't absolutely punish him, um, that will be the thing I'm looking forward the most. But uh, yeah, I'm... I'm I'm really lukewarm on uh, on opening. Yeah, up. I I am too, which is not a fun thing to say. Like just like, <laughs> like opening night just might be nothing. I agree with you 100. percent Like I just don't know what we're gonna learn. I don't know if LeBron's gonna play or whatnot. And then it's gonna be interesting to just see the moment and the mood of that arena. But anything other than that, I just I'm skeptical we're gonna get very much. That that is certainly a, a bummer. You know, it's certainly not a very fun thing to consider <laughs> because. We'd like it to be exciting. The game itself could be interesting. I, I'm skeptical of how much we actually learn it and get out of it. But um, this has been our, our big season preview. Um, we'll ha- again, I'll have a pod tomorrow with Jared Weiss um, from CelticsWire.com and CLNS Media about the game. But, uh, Eric, thank you so much for coming on and answering all the questions. You obviously have an open invite whenever you want to come on. Just give everyone a reminder of where they can find Chris, you. Chris, I appreciate Twitter. any opportunity to talk about the Cavs. Um, it is my passion in life talking about Cavaliers basketball. Thank you. Um, and if you're interested in mixed martial arts, um, every Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern, uh, I produce a show called The MMA Hour with host Ariel Hawani. It's the biggest and best interviews from the world of MMA. And uh, we like to think that we put on a good product every week. So tune in Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern. Yeah, and uh, you you can come off soon, everyone. And I think last time you like mentioned or something like that you had been on. He was like, "They let you talk about basketball." I'm like, Eric, you always have a you always have a place to come on it and talk about the Cavs and talk about and talk about Sean oh, yeah. Kemp and and the Cavs and the Cavs being goofy and doing weird things. But uh, we'll see what Tuesday's like. It's going to be an interesting season because this Cavs team with LeBron James and with their roster of personalities is going to be just interesting to see how it plays out um you can always follow the podcast on twitter at lockdown Cavs. email me mailbag questions anything you want to share at lockdown Cavs at gmail.com and if you want to rate the show please go on itunes leave that five star rating and review um if even a non five star rating and review we do appreciate the feedback we get from you guys the listeners because it begins about you the Cavs fan listening to the show but uh this is for myself for eric this has been locked on Cavs. talk to you again tomorrow